This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Well, 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 I now have hard proof the Biden regime worked with big tech to censor me personally. Am I shocked? No. Am I pissed off? You bet I am. The show starts now. For weeks now, we've known big tech worked with the federal government and even the Biden White House to tamp down on speech that didn't advance the narrative. The narrative was and still is to be protected at all costs. And notice I didn't say truth. They don't care about the truth, only the narrative. And that in and of itself is broadly concerning. But when it comes to protecting the COVID narrative and more specifically their beloved COVID vaccine, that's when this crap becomes more than concerning and more like criminal. I've been vocal about my opposition to all the COVID policies, lockdowns, closures, masks, vaccines, all of it since day one of two weeks to flatten the curve. And I've let it fly to my combined 9 million social media followers. You bet your ass I did. And apparently that really concerned the Biden White House so much so they had their White House digital director tell Facebook to censor both me and my colleague Tucker Carlson. This email was obtained thanks to the lawsuit filed against the Biden White House by a coalition of state attorneys general. The Biden team wanted us reduced, and they were very angry when big tech didn't immediately or completely fulfill that demand. You won't be surprised to see in plain black and white typeface that Facebook was apologetic. Their reduction was insufficient, and of course, they made it right. If you're wondering what post big tech was so concerned about, well, it's right here. Apparently, me saying I will not get the vaccine is very dangerous to the public at large? No, wrong. It was and still is dangerous to the narrative. And like I said before, the narrative is all they care about. Getting vaccines in arms, masks on faces, and broad and docile compliance from we the people was and still is all they care about. Well, read my lips, too freaking bad. You may have censored me, which appears to be a blatant violation of the First Amendment, but you did not silence me and you never will. And to Mr. Biden's digital director, Rob Flattery, if you're gonna attempt to compel big tech to reduce me again, at least spell my name correctly. And furthermore, you think I was dangerous to your White House narrative in April 2021? <laughs> well, you just wait. Get used to me. I will be a thorn in your side till the day Sleepy Joe is out of office and into the nursing home. Oh, and for good measure, let me add this. I am still uncovid vaccinated. I will never get the COVID vaccine. And if me saying I didn't get it and won't get it somehow compels others to think twice before they get the jab or the sixth booster, well, I'll wear that like a badge of honor because maybe, just maybe, my voice helped prevent someone from heart issues or sudden death. And while I know I likely won't get either, I think I speak for we the censored when I say we want an acknowledgement and apology from the White House and we want it now. Coming up, I want to know if what the White House did, this blatant collusion and coercion for big tech to do its bidding, is in fact criminal. So I've got Judicial Watch's Tom Fitton, and he joins me next. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back 
along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Collusion between big government and big tech with Biden's digital director employing Facebook to reduce voices that didn't fall in line. It's wrong, it's un-American, it's unacceptable, but is it unconstitutional? Is it illegal? Joining me now with his expert analysis is President of Judicial Watch, Tom Fitton. All right, Tom, so I appreciated your tweet yesterday standing up for me and my colleague Tucker Carlson after, you know, we got those emails that Biden's digital director reached out to Facebook asking uh, Facebook to reduce voices that were not uh, beneficial to the vaccine narrative. But I want to know, this obviously feels very wrong, but is it illegal what happened? Well, potentially, uh, the government typically can't... Uh, take actions against someone, suppress their uh, civil liberties, particularly their First Amendment rights. And in this case, you had the White House uh, directing Facebook quite directly uh, in using this Stalinist uh, Orwellian language uh, to reduce, to reduce, I don't even know what that means. It's just such a dangerous sounding term. Uh, the the uh, Your ability to communicate on that platform, both yours and Tucker Carlson's. And of course, there are other emails where they're even more explicit. They wanted the material taken down. Uh, so uh, there's a law. You know, Judicial Watch has already separately sued another state agent, a state agency out in California that did something similar. They caused a judici uh, Judicial Watch video to be taken down off of YouTube. And it's called the Ku Klux Klan Act. And it protects your civil rights and it provides, of uh, course, uh, you know, causes of action against those who broke uh, who broke the law in that regard. Now, the question is, is there going to be any criminal liability here? But given the fact that the Biden White House and the president himself has endorsed this censorship, uh, that's probably not likely. So, uh, you know, you need to talk to some lawyers and figure out if you've got any options. I think you might, but we'll see. Of course, I ain't no lawyer, but <laughs> I tell you, uh, uh, this, this is really uh, something new in terms of escalating the censorship of Americans. It's one thing for the White House to come out and say, look, we don't like the idea, you know, there's too much misinformation or too much uh, information out there that's at odds with science and we want people to take the vaccine. It's another thing to say, you need to turn this guy down. You need to target Tommy, Tommy Loren and take her down. Outrageous. It is, and the thing about it, I think that's so concerning is I think it would have been better, at least in, in their eyes or in their case, if they would have said, hey, you said something about the vaccine, we're taking it down. It's misinformation. It goes against science, whether that's true or not. I think that that would have been better, a better defense of, for them to, to have. They didn't do that. What they did is they said, we want to reduce voices like mine. And the tweet that I posted to Twitter and to Facebook because I went back and I looked in, in my archives of what it was, and it, they had mentioned in that email that it was the day prior. So I looked back at the date, looked back at the beginning of April, and I know exactly what it was. I had a tweet that very simply said, and I posted it to Facebook, saying, I will not personally take the vaccine. If you want to take it, take five of them, wear a mask to sleep, you go for it. That 
Such a simple sentiment by me. That's what they wanted to reduce. You can't say that I was telling people to inject bleach in their arm or take ivermectin. I personally said I will not take the vaccine. So that to me is what makes this feel so criminal and so wrong is that I didn't mm -hmm. say anything that endangered anybody. I said a personal decision that I was going to make and that's what they were so threatened by. That seems even worse to me. It is. And, and it's your personal opinion and you have a right to it. Um, it it's it's America. Gosh, darn it. And uh, you should be able to say things like that without being attacked and directed for censorship. When they say reduce what they're telling Facebook and, and you know how this works. You mentioned the word COVID um, and you get uh, suppressed on Facebook immediately. You get vandalized with a statement saying, oh, you know, click here for COVID information. If you go to share the post, uh, there's a pause there kind of warning you off from sharing the post. Uh, so that's what they mean by reduce. It's it's soft censorship. And in this case, it was directed uh, by representative of the president of the United States, Joe Biden. And this has happened to me on several occasions. I mean, this particular one was back in April of 2021, but this has happened to me numerous times before that and since then. And it's actually been suspensions on Facebook. One in particular, I had a pilot on my show who were expressed expressed concern about vaccine side effects impacting his colleagues in the cockpit, those having sudden heart problems while flying. That was flagged on Facebook. That was taken down by Facebook. I was suspended on Facebook for several days for that. There's been other instances where they've kind of messed with me a little bit. I want to get your take on this because people might think that I'm crazy. They, they might think that, you know, I'm, I'm being gaslighted, which is what I think. I've had numerous occasions where I've started really talking about COVID and about vaccines. And then especially on Instagram, little privileges on Instagram will get taken away with no notice. For example, I won't be able to put links on my stories. I won't be able to tag people on my stories. They won't load. They'll take forever to load and they'll say cannot load. And then magically after a week or so, my, my uh, ability will be restored. But it's little things that they do to me when I talk about COVID. And it's quite obvious to me, but it's very hard to prove. Yeah, well, you see this uh, elements of this in the Twitter files. They've got various methods of turning back your ability to communicate. Uh, some call it shadow banning. In your case, it's called, I would call it shadow censoring, shadow, shadow suppressing, where they restrict your ability to communicate. And Twitter is turned off or at least is allowing more free speech on COVID. Uh, but it hasn't stopped at Facebook and it hasn't stopped at YouTube. Uh, and it's not only about it's not only censorship related to COVID. You say the wrong thing as it relates to disputing elections. You're also targeted with suppression and censorship. And of course, all of this coincidentally benefits the political agenda of Joe Biden. They wouldn't be doing it if they didn't have a if they didn't have a political angle to it. And uh, I tell you, uh, there's been nothing like this in modern American history uh, because obviously, not only are you victimized. Uh, but you're, I'm assuming you have a big follower base. All of those folks who rely on you for information and your opinion and your take, they're denied access to the information. They can't get access to the information and they're censored as well. So the victims here are legion. It is. I mean, combined on my social media, I have about 9 million followers. So it's right. concerning when it happens. It's frustrating when it happens. But I think the biggest part is not being able to really prove it. And this happened with Facebook. And we know this because we've got that coalition of state's attorney generals who were filed that lawsuit against the Biden White House. That's how we obtained this email. But I wonder, we know what's kind of going on at Twitter because Elon Musk has put it out there. When will Google 
Facebook executives, YouTube executives, when will they be called to the carpet? Will we ever see that day where they will be compelled to be honest about everything that they've done as we're seeing right now being done internally with Twitter? Well, we've seen documents that Judicial Watch has obtained showing that they were working hand in glove. They were actually providing them free advertising, HHS, to uh, push the COVID propaganda. And uh, of course, the back end of it was that they would uh, restrict access or restrict dissemination of material uh, that was politically inconvenient to the Biden administration. And the question for Congress is, are they going to swiftly take action here or is it going to be two years of trying to figure out what went on? We know what went on. The Twitter files has confirmed that virtually every federal agency that is important in terms of uh, big public policy issues have been involved in censorship and suppression, and it's ongoing. That has got to be turned off right now. And we can't wait for two years. We have to do it right now because right now, Americans are being censored by the tens of millions with the support of this president and all the president's men and women. I would love to see that Biden digital director, Rob Flaherty, I would love to see him have to testify before Congress. I would hope some oversight would happen. I hope it would be a primetime hearing. And if I were in Congress, what I would like to ask on behalf of, of myself and others that have been censored and restricted is, you know, what is it about Tommy Lahren saying that she's not going to get the vaccine? What is it that you found necessary from a public safety standpoint to reduce her? And I would love to see their answer because there's no way they can get around that. There's no way that they can say that, that I'm dangerous because I'm saying I'm personally doing this, you do what you want. So that is what I hope to see. Do you think that our new House majority has the guts, the intestinal fortitude to really go after this with the gusto it deserves? Well, if left to their own devices, no. Uh, this is why we have to educate our congressmen about the importance of this and make it clear to them that this is as much a priority as, quote, firing 87,000 IRS agents. They haven't been hired yet. The guys who are working now are already stamping and stomping on our civil rights. And Mr. Flaherty, in my view, the White House official and other officials involved in this, this isn't, quote, an agency scandal or a Biden administration scandal. In my view, they have personal liability, both civil and criminal, if they were abusing their offices as they evidently were, to collude and target someone's civil rights and civil liberties. You've got this First Amendment right. And when the government comes in and stomps on it and an individual government official does it, they can be held personally liable. And it only ever it goes be. one way. You know, I, I've never seen an yep. example of where a Republican leader has compelled anybody to do anything. And it's been done with the gusto that this administration works with big tech and big government and big pharma and big academia and big Hollywood and all of it, it only ever seems to go one way. Tom, thank you so I much. Mean, we for have being... an ex we, we, we've seen a little bit of that uh, in, in our work where some a Republican state official in Iowa uh, was trying to get Judicial Watch material taken down from Twitter and Twitter said no. Uh, but they were pushing it on Facebook and YouTube. So the temptation's there. And this is why your fight is so important, because it protects Americans of all political stripes, because this temptation to use government to suppress your political speech, that's going to be tempting to both Republicans and Democrats in the medium run. But the and difference the short is run, it's Republicans obviously the left, can't get away with me, it. Anyone will be able to do it. 
Yeah, but Republicans can't get away with it. That's the thing, because every time if a Republican were to do something like this, I'm not saying that they don't want to. I'm sure they do. But if they did and it could be proven the way we've seen with this Facebook email, with these Twitter files, that Republican or that that official in any administration that had an R behind it would no longer be employed and they would be called to the carpet because there would be national outrage about it. That person would be canceled. So that's the right. frustration here is nothing is ever applied equally. But we appreciate everything that you guys do at Judicial Watch. We know that you've gotten so much information, especially as it pertains to California. And as a, a former resident of California, I always look to you guys and everything you did, especially when it came to election integrity. So thanks for all you do. And thank you for being with me today. Hey, thank you, Tommy. And, and soon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, you know, Tucker Carlson has deeper pockets than me, so maybe Tucker can do it first and I'll just ride the wave. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. All right. Up next, we finally have a Speaker of the House and he's a Republican, kind of. Brandon Tatum joins me next. Let's get into it. Well, it took 15 ballots, several days, a long night and an almost physical altercation. But we finally have a Speaker of the House and he's basically a Republican. I think we all knew we'd end up here eventually. It was just a question of when and how much McCarthy would give up to get here. The big concession he was forced to make is that motion to vacate, which means a single member can trigger a vote to remove the speaker. That's a strong check on McCarthy's power, but could also mean we'd have to go through that voting process yet again. All the concessions McCarthy handed over to the holdouts will make his leadership role more challenging, and that could be a good or a bad thing, depending on how confident you are in Kevin McCarthy. Joining me now with his take on that and more is host of the Officer Tatum Show and Podcast, Brandon Tatum. All right, Brandon, uh, at least we have a speaker. I will say that. Now they can actually get to work. But if you're like me, you were watching that on Friday, late into the evening, and things got a little tense. I mean, it was about to be Fight Club up in there. Were you surprised? No, no, I wasn't surprised. Well, I was surprised that the gentleman put his hand over the other guy's mouth. And I was like, I want to know what did he say to Matt Gates to make him do that? I mean, that was hilarious. But I, I was very it was very interesting because I felt like that it's time that we get different people in places of power so we can see different results. Because it's it's not enough to say, oh, it's it's commonplace to have him. We already know who the guy is, Mitch McConnell. I mean, we're doing the same, we got the same soup warmed over. I think it's time for us to do something different, for us to make a change, for us to get somebody new and inspiring in that position. I made a very controversial statement because Byron Donald is one of my favorite individuals. I think he doesn't have the tenure. But I would love to see the Republican Party shove it in the face of Democrats and say, look, we have diversity, too, and we have good qualified people that can speak on behalf of the Republican Party. That That's not just a one way street. So I made that statement, you know, just to say we need to change it up. But I was very shocked that we went through it this long and that they end up acquiescing to um uh, Speaker McCarthy. However, at the end of the day, I'm glad that it's, a, it's somewhat of a Republican versus a, 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 a left wing lunatic on the Democrat side. He gave up a lot to get there, a lot more than he wanted to give up. That motion to vacate is going to be a big deal. So he is going to be held accountable. I think that was the goal of all of this. I think even Matt Gates and others knew that he would become the speaker because he had the most support. But it's what he had to give up to get there, which I think could actually be a very good thing. It could be very frustrating because there are people that are not going to like what he does. And it's not always going to be maybe fair or maybe appropriate to challenge him at every turn. you got to give the man a little bit of leeway. But I want to know what you your thought was, I think it was on Thursday when we had 
Matt Gates nominating Donald Trump to be the speaker. I mean, that personally, I know that it was just a showboat moment, but that frustrated me. I was like, this is every conspiracy theorist out there that said that this was going to happen. Trump was going to be the speaker and then he was going to rise to the presidency through the back door. It really irritated me to see that happen. Well, I wonder, was Matt Gates just trying to keep his name in the headlines? You know, I, I'm not saying that that's him. I don't know him personally, but I know people do stuff like that. They want to stay relevant, so they continue to do things that they know that people are going to jump on. You know, they, the conspiracy theorists were saying all year long, Donald Trump is going to be the Speaker of the House, and then they're going to impeach Biden, and he's going to become the president. I mean, these people are, I mean, at least that commentary is nutty. But I don't know if Matt Gates was just trying to prove a point to say, look, we have control and I'm not going to nominate. I'm not going to support Kevin McCarthy no matter what. I'll throw Trump's name in. I'll throw Jim Jordan's name in. Uh, you know, he, he, I'll throw Roger Rabbit's name in. It doesn't matter. I'm going to say whatever I want to say because I don't support McCarthy. I'm trying to make a point. But I, I did get kind of frustrated because I said at one point, and, and, and I love uh, Boebert. I think she's amazing. But when she was on Hannity and Hannity said, well, who do you want to be the speaker? And she really didn't have an answer. And so that kind of just made me a little more frustrated because I understand the fight, but we have to fight in a legitimate way. We have to have legitimate answers so we don't just seem like obstructionists. So at the end of the day, it being where it's at now, I, I'm waiting to see if McCarthy does what he says he's going to do, because it's not enough for you to just make promises. It's not enough to, to claim that you're going to have concessions that you make. It, the truth is, what are you going to do under pressure? What are you going to do when Democrats are, are raining down on you certain policies that they want to implement? Are you going to punk out like Republicans have been doing? Are you going to hold the line? And that's what I want to see in, in, in not only in word, but in deed from Kevin McCarthy. Uh, I do as well, and I think he's going to have to do that because otherwise they're going to do that motion to vacate and he's going to be in this spot all over again. So I think at least initially he's going to tread very lightly. But speaking of Donald Trump and his role and everything, I was a little bit surprised at how hard he went for Kevin McCarthy. We know how he feels about Mitch McConnell, but McCarthy and McConnell are similar in a lot of ways. We know how Donald Trump feels on that side, but he really went hard for McCarthy, even telling those holdouts that were, you know, more that the mega people, hey, you got to vote for McCarthy. I was a little bit surprised by that. Does that mean that Donald Trump is just loyal to McCarthy? Is McCarthy going to be helpful to Trump? I'm not really sure where this loyalty comes from, but I found it a little surprising. You and I both, I, I was, it was trouble. I mean, not troubling, it was confusing because everybody came out and said, we need to get rid of the swamp, get rid of the establishment Republicans. People that are not, you know, MAGA is where Trump has endorsed to get rid of these people. And for him to go out and say, oh no, you need to go for Kevin McCarthy. He's a great guy. I mean, just the stuff that he said is, is confusing. It's like, is Kevin McCarthy a part of the deep state? I mean, or, or is he part of the rhino group? Is he the type of Republican that we, we need to get rid of because we need a new uh, revived Republican Party? Or is there some backdoor deals going on? Because I'm going to tell you what, at the end of the day, I don't even know. I don't know if these people are really who we think they are. I don't know if somebody's cutting paychecks to people and, and, and that's how they get their endorsement. I know, I know and I heard through the grapevine that that's how you can get endorsements from Trump. Is that if you give a big enough amount of money that he'll give you an endorsement. So I don't know if his support of McCarthy was because he genuinely believed McCarthy is the right solution for the Republican Party or somebody is paid somebody or promised something to somebody to get the endorsement.
I think it's going to be more about a loyalty thing, less about a cash payment and more about loyalty, because I think now that we've got Donald Trump running for president, I think now Trump is going to use that over McCarthy and say, hey, listen, you better get the establishment behind me because I vouched for you. I advocated for you. I think it's very much going to be a tit for tat because I think Donald Trump well knows that there are a lot of Republicans, whether they're the establishment or even some of the, the mega Republicans that are leaning very heavily towards a new direction of Ron DeSantis. So I think that he's using his support for McCarthy, and he's going to expect something in return for that. So that's what I'm anticipating. But I want to talk about Jim Jordan. I love Jim Jordan. I personally would have loved Jim Jordan to be the speaker, but I'm almost more impressed by the fact that he did not want it. He did not want it. He could have probably gotten there, honestly. If everybody would have rallied behind him and he would have wanted that role, I think he could have done it. But what did you think when he just flat out was like, I, I don't want this? I was surprised. Because, you know, I have a lot of respect for a man like that, because the, the bottom line is that I want him to be honest and genuine with us. Don't just do it because people want you to do it, to be honest about the fact that you'd rather be on another committee because you feel like that your talents are more applicable there. That's what I expect out of politicians. That's what I expect out of people who are representatives. I, I don't want a person that want to be the president. You know, I don't want a person that want to be the Speaker of the House. I want a person that feels called uh, to be in that position, who wants to be in that position to serve a purpose, not just for namesake and not just because people are asking you to. So when him coming out of being honest, because I honestly believe if he with the Speaker of the House, that is a, a position of authority. And that is a pretty, uh, I, I would say, a pretty good position to have. Uh, something that people would dream, would only dream of having that particular position with that amount of power. But I love the fact that Jim Jordan was just honest and saying, look, man, this is not what I want to do. Byron Donald did the same thing. He's like, I, I didn't come here to be in this position. So y'all figure that out. I would yeah. rather do something different based on the genuineness of how I feel uh, about what I add to the table. So I like the fact that he did it because I think that it speaks to how genuine Jim Jordan really is. I think he's got a bright future ahead of him. I would certainly like to see him leading up our party in a lot of different ways and a lot of different facets. Let's talk about Byron Donalds again. Again, I love Byron Donalds. He's going to be on my show on Thursday. I'm a big fan of his. I, like you, think it was a little soon to put him up for a speaker role because he just hasn't quite paid his dues yet. Now, I'm all for fresh faces, but he's got to have a little more time, a little more seasoning. However, I was not surprised at Cori Bush and her comment saying, oh, it's not historic that Byron Donalds could possibly be the speaker. You know, he's a white supremacist. I mean, the typical stuff that they always say. What was going through your mind when you saw her tweet that? I'm sure you weren't surprised. I wasn't surprised because this is where she sold her soul to the devil. And therefore, she have to do what the devil tell her to do. And the devil tells you to, to tear down your own people is what she's doing. And I don't think I don't know if she actually believed what she said or she felt entitled to say that to try to destroy the image of the Republican Party. Like I said, the reason that they attacked Byron Donald because he's a black man. And if he was somehow to have power in the Republican Party, black, some black people on the Democrat side will begin to listen. They will begin to say, well, what is he talking about? Well, I thought they were only racist white people. They got a black man leading this and doing this. And I think that the Democrats are afraid of that. They are afraid of black men who are on the Republican side because they're afraid that, that people will begin to identify with them. And the myth of him being a, a shield for the white supremacy and all that stuff will go out of the window. I think the reason that they have been able to retain the, the uh, minority vote it's because they put up these people who look like the voters and then they tell them and sell them whatever they want to hear. But I think that people like Byron Donald, 
and, and, and black people in the Republican side or the Republican Party are a big threat to the power structure of the Democrats. Oh, they absolutely are. I want to turn now to something that's not necessarily political, but it became political, as everything does. And I know that you've been very vocal about it, so I want to get your take from my audience that hasn't heard it yet. The whole Damar Hamlin thing, everybody obviously was in shock when that happened last week, and everybody felt for him. Everybody sent their love and their prayers, and it really brought people together, which I was happy to see. Instead of seeing people kneeling for BLM, they were kneeling to pray to God, all positive things. However, we have to be honest about our own side. I'm one of the biggest vaccine skeptics out there, but to rush immediately and say, this is vaccine related, I know you have some thoughts on what you saw from some on our side rushing to that conclusion as well. Oh my God. Uh, Tommy, I'm glad me and you reading the same sheet of music because this would have been this would have been a, a contentious thing. People are nutty when on our side when it comes to so many things. I'm the biggest proponent that the vaccine could possibly be killing so many people. I really believe that that's true. I saw the little documentary they had out, Sudden Death or whatever it was called, and I, I, I believe that this probably happening. I believe there's a lot of athletes that are probably passing out because of the residual effect of them getting vaccinated. However, for the love of God, take a break. The guy was in a violent collision with another player before he passes out. We don't even know if he was vaccinated or not. We have no idea. There is no record of it. He has not been an advocate of vaccines on any of his social media. But people are jumping to the collusions and saying, this happens all too often. We look just as crazy, in my opinion, as the people who are saying everybody on planet Earth was dying because of COVID. Somebody literally got in a car accident yeah. and they say they died because of COVID. And you're like, come on, man, take a break from it. Just because you died with COVID don't mean you died from COVID. And we have to have that same energy when it comes to the vaccine. The vaccine could be killing a lot of people. We need to investigate it. I think people need to be held accountable. But just because you died and you were you had the vaccine don't mean you died from the vaccine. And with this young man, he didn't die. So I hope people will realize he's not a death. But I can see how there could have been some other contributing factor. If he had passed out, during the game, just walking around, I would have been more suspicious. If he'd have passed out after the game, he'd have passed out at home, I would have been more suspicious. But when he gets impacted and then he loses consciousness, it seems to me that that collision has something to do with the reason he passed out. And even the people that think he was he had some type of the vaccine made him susceptible, you still have to admit the impact is right. what caused whatever was going on in him to be exacerbated. But I really do believe that we can still have the same argument, but let's slow down. Let's not be radical. Let's let the facts play out. If this boy didn't get vaccinated, then what are people going to say? We just sound like lunatics. Yeah, it delegitimizes our position when we rush to just blame being vaccinated or unvaccinated. We can't do that on our side because then we're just like the left that thinks that, you know, car crashes are a result of being unvaccinated. So I'm with you on that completely and totally. And then there's the whole element of, Let's just be respectful. You know, it's so frustrating to us when there's a, any kind of a school shooting or any kind of a, a shootout and the left immediately blames the gun. Well, we can't be hypocrites. We can't do the exact same thing. So that really disappointed me, other than the fact that it was also just insensitive to the situation that he was going through. Last thing I want to talk to you about, also related to this, and I know it's been a while, but the whole Skip Bayless thing. So I got to be honest with you. When I read his tweet and everybody was freaking out about it, I wasn't sure why they were freaking out. Because at the end, he said it all seems irrelevant now. So I read it like, hey, listen, this is a big game. This is crazy. This is a really consequential moment in football. But it seems a little irrelevant now, given what happened. I was not outraged. I did not think what he was saying was insensitive. But what did you think? 
Yeah, Tommy, that's funny because I, I saw that he was trend, trending and I said, what, what did he say? Did he say something racist? Then I looked at his comments and I said, everybody in the NFL is thinking the same thing he's thinking. Everybody's watching the NFL is thinking the same thing that he's thinking. If the kid had just got knocked unconscious or he passed out because, you know, he had too much adrenaline or something happened to him and he got up and he finished the game, nobody would have had any problem with what Skip Bayless said. The guy is giving an analysis of football. This is a person who was injured, and he even said, I did not know the extent of his injury. Nobody did. You know, and it's it's like the other day I saw a football player, they did a tackle, and then he did CPR on the other guy. And everybody's outraged. Oh, that's so insensitive given the fact that what happened to DeMar. And it's like people need to stop being soft. I mean, all these NFL players that was mad at Skip Bayless, give it a break, brother. He gave a clear analysis of football. This is what they're doing. They're playing football to actually end a game and not finish a game that's consequential in the entire season for somebody to not comment at all about it is crazy to me and have some compassion. I mean, the guy made a statement and he corrected it. It's it's not that serious. NFL players do stupid stuff all the time. I mean, let me, let me give you an example just real quick. The guy Tabado or whatever his name is from the New York and my friend Nick Foles got popped. And he was hurting. He was screaming and rolling around. And the guy was doing snow angels. And the thing is, people get all upset and bent out of shape over it. It's like, this is football, man. This is football. Get out of your feelings. I mean, that's my whole thing. But, you know, it's, it's they cry wolf too much, man. Let it go. And people are looking to be offended by something. They were waiting for some something to somebody to say something offensive. Of course, they picked Skip. And then there was just a huge thing about it. He spent the entirety of the show the next day basically apologizing. Don't apologize. Just say, hey, listen, I didn't know the extent of it. I'm not going to apologize because I didn't know. And I wasn't trying to convey that. That was not my intention. But, geez, the cancel culture mob comes for everybody. And it's just this faux outrage that... It's so exhausting. I don't even know where we go from here. Yeah, it's 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 faux outrage, completely faux outrage. You know, they they looking for somebody to blame, and he a white man, and so that's easy targeting <laughs> yeah. for them. And because he if he was black, and then white people came out against him, they'll be like, oh, they did it because he black. No, Skip is Skip is a punching bag. Because when Shannon say something, and 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 it sound like Skip is saying something racist, they all come down and he punk out like he do every time. Now I'll say this for the record, I cannot blame him. Now I, I would like to say I would never apologize. But when they paying you $40 million or something, and all you have to do is say, I'm sorry, even if you mean it or not, and keep your $40 million check, I I can see why the man may have done it. But at the same time, I I don't expect anything different from Skip. These dudes don't have a a pair, in my opinion. That dude apologized for everything he say. Therefore, you don't know if he mean it or not anytime he make a statement. So, But anyway, I'm tired of the faux outrage. You know, if they really cared about what should be said and what shouldn't be said. You know, many of these football players wouldn't do half of the stuff that they do on a day-to-day basis. So, but uh, anyway. Well, I'm glad that we could join sports and politics perfectly in this segment. I always appreciate you being here and I hope to have you back very soon because you are one of my favorite guests and the, the top three, if not the top two. So thank you for being here as always. And we'll see you soon. Good, good. Thank you, Tommy. I really appreciate you having me. All right. Thanks, Brandon. Talk to you soon. All right. Up next, Joe finally went to the border, kind of, and you know I have some final thoughts. That's next. Joe took a photo op, I mean trip, to the southern border yesterday, and yeah, I have some final thoughts. (laughs) 
Joe visited our southern border for the first time in his career yesterday. But when I say southern border, I mean that very loosely, given he saw and did far less as president of the United States than any one of our Fox News border correspondents see and do on any given day. But how nice of them to clean up the homeless encampments, by the way. Wouldn't want the reality of the situation to aesthetically F up the optics, right? But this whole sham trip is too little, two years too late. He should have just met with the cartels and said, you're welcome, since he's funding them and funding them well. Since he took office, over 5 million illegals that we know of have entered our country to live in the shadows and suck it and we the taxpayers dry. This president nor his borders are Kamala give a damn about the invasion and neither do the so-called Republicans who signed on to that $1.7 trillion omnibus spending bill that funded the invasion, but not the protection of our southern border. And now the Republicans have the House majority. If they allow another penny to go to DHS without a border enforcement mechanism, let God strike their political careers dead on the spot. Securing the border is not that hard, folks. Trump was well on his way to doing just that before Joe came in and undid it all. So let's start out by impeaching Mayorkas, who not only lied about that whole whipping scandal, but has sold Border Patrol agents down the river every single day since he's held that post. This is elementary school stuff. First, we need a physical barrier that keeps these illegals out. Yes, the wall. States should not be forced to use shipping containers to protect our country while the Democrats leave it defenseless and encourage the free-for-all. Then... We need to send more judges to the border to process these BS asylum claims on site and on the spot. Nine out of ten don't qualify for asylum, so turn them around and send them right on back. Because I guarantee you they'll stop trying to come here under false pretenses if they know they're going to get turned around the moment they fraudulently step foot on our soil. Next, reinstate Remain in Mexico, another great way to de-incentivize people with BS phony ass asylum claims from making the journey. That would also make Mexican officials rise to the occasion and step up to the plate. Guess what? Mexican citizens don't want their cities and streets burdened with migrants either. But right now, they just send them right on through, so we have to deal with it. So cut off that luxury, and Mexico will play ball. Threaten tariffs like Trump did, and they'll play the flippin' World Series of ball. Believe me. But the Democrats don't want to fix this because they designed it. They want to pump illegals into this country, give their corporate donors a massive low-wage workforce, use their beloved mail-in voting system to get illegals in on the action, and bolster census numbers and Democrat strongholds so as to add more Democrat seats to Congress. This is a very thinly-veiled plan, and if we don't do everything we can to stop it now, there will be no going back. Because you can change policies, you can repeal legislation, but you cannot undo millions and millions of people living in the shadows, yet in plain sight. Our country is like the Titanic. Once the leaks fill the boat, it sinks, so start patching. Those are my final thoughts from Nashville. God bless and take care.